Welcome to Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast. Today you've got James, myself, speaking, uh, starting our new series in the parables over the summer, stories that Jesus told. Hey, welcome. Summer's here. If you hadn't noticed, if you've not been sweating a ridiculous amount, so funny. We're so funny with the weather, aren't we? We're like, it's too hot. It's just too hot. I can't cope. Uh, I'm a little bit warm today. But anyway, I'm starting our new summer series and it's called Stories That Jesus Told, which uh, will run us right through the summer. And in it, we're going to be looking at a number of different parables from the Gospels. And so really excited about that. Now, today we're starting in the parable of the unforgiving servant. So that's in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. So if you've got your Bibles, then grab them. And I'm just going to jump straight into the passage rather than coming up with a brilliant introduction. But so it says this, then this is verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And depending on, on who you are, like your character, you'll think about this differently. So some will be sitting there thinking, quite quite stingy, only seven times, where others of you will be sitting there going, seven times, seven times. I'm not going to forgive them seven times once. If I told them not to do it, they shouldn't do it. But so it maybe depends how you think about things. But um, in Judaism, there was an expectation that you forgave the same offence three times. So that would have been kind of the cultural norm. So, so Peter has grasped that Jesus generally is a bit more progressive than the time. And so whereas it's three times, he's like, you know, up to, up to seven times maybe? Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations say 70 times seven times. So as far as I can work out, scholars universally, universally agree that this doesn't mean Keep count, and once you've forgiven 77 times, or possibly even 490 t- times, depending on how you read it, then you can give up on them. It's like, I, I'm really sorry, that is the 491st time that you've done that, it's over. Really what Jesus is saying is there should be no amount on, sorry, there should be no limit on the amount of times that you forgive somebody. And then Jesus goes on to tell this parable to explain what he's talking about. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So the servant owes 10,000 bags of gold. Now, 10,000 bags of gold was 10,000 talents and the talent was worth about 20 years of a laborer's wage. So 20 years times 10,000 means it would have taken him, you know, it's a good mass going on here, about 200,000 years to pay off this debt. So to put this into numbers that we'd understand, I don't want to exaggerate the numbers. So let's conservatively guess that the guy's 21 and he's married, he's got wife and children, and let's assume that he's on minimum wage. So minimum wage at 21 is about £9.18 an hour. You can tell we've done some maths here. Eight hours a day, five days a week, 48 weeks of the year. So it's about £15,422 times 20 years, 
£308,448. So that's one bag of gold. How you get on with your math so far? Have I got done you? This is already, so if you were £308,000 in debt, I think you'd feel pretty panicky. But this guy earns, oh, sorry, 10,000 times this, 10,000 talents. 10,000 times 308,448 is 3,084,480,000 pounds. <laughs> it's a big debt. I think that this is the point of the story. And the master says, sell all of your stuff, genuinely makes me laugh, because it's barely gonna scratch the surface of a three billion pound debt. And we'll sell you and your family too. At this, verse 26, of this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Now, both him and his master knew that this was obviously not true. He's not gonna pay back three billion pounds. There's no way that he could ever manage to do this. He'd have to earn nothing for the next 200,000 years to pay back what he owes. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. No big, no biggie. I'm going to cancel the three billion pounds. It's fine. Do you know what? Let's, let's just call it quits. Three billion, around three million. Now, can you, can you imagine what it felt like for this guy who's had this weight over him of this huge debt and a debt that he could never actually pay off and, it, and it's cancelled? Forget winning the lottery. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're talking small fry here. This is huge. So the total and absolute freedom that you'd feel after carrying that amount of debt around with you. Verse 28, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So the debt that this guy's debt gone after, 100 silver coins, it's about a day's wages. So the same guy who's been let off three billion pounds is then going and choking a guy to get back the day's wages. He doesn't get it, does he? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged, understandably. They're like, oh my goodness, you've just been forgiven all this and you're going after this guy and throwing him into prison because of what he's done. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. It's a pretty harsh turn of events. He gets put into prison to be tortured until he can pay it back, which is essentially forever, because he's never going to be able to pay it off. 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So then Jesus offers us the same challenge. Should we not forgive those around us with all of our heart, heart symbolizing our entirety, our emotions, our will, our mind? So anyway, I just wanted to say welcome to our light summer series as we talk about the subject of forgiveness. But elsewhere, following the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says that God will not forgive our sins if we do not forgive others theirs. 
So you might say, do you know what, hang on a minute. It doesn't exactly sound like Jesus is being particularly gracious here, does it? Sounds like there's a condition being put on us, something that we have to do in order for our sins to be forgiven. But what Jesus is really getting after, and this is what parables often do, they go after one thing. He is What he's challenging here is this unforgiving servant has not been transformed by the forgiveness that his master has offered him in the first place. In this story, God is the master, we are the servant. I am the person, you are the person who owes £3,084,480,000. So as we come to this whole subject of forgiveness, which is what this parable is unpacking, this is the starting point of us being able to forgive others. So when it talks about forgiveness, you know, you should go and do likewise. It's like, actually, the starting point is we have to understand the enormity of the debt of which we have been forgiven. We come back to this moment on the cross where Jesus died for our sin and our shame and our brokenness and our rebellion. And he put it all on himself and he said, I will die for all of your sin. In that moment, Jesus canceled the debt. And when we're talking about this subject of forgiveness, it doesn't make sense until we go back to this moment and the power of what Jesus, of what God has done for us. And that he forgave us this, this debt that we could not pay. We can never pay that debt. He was like, but in Jesus, you are redeemed. In Jesus, you're free. And so when it comes to this subject of forgiveness, this is the backdrop, this is the backdrop of where we start from, is we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven so much, a debt that we could never pay, a three billion pound debt or whatever numerical value you want to put on it. We could not pay that debt. There was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. But yet Jesus on the cross redeemed us. He took it. And so when we come to forgiving others and thinking about others, we have to come from that place. If we're unable to forgive the sins or wrongdoings of those around us, those who we're in a relationship with, then it's a sign that we haven't really understood or been transformed by the grace we ourselves have received from God. If we let his love transform us, then our heart should be the same. Now, let's be honest, this is deeply challenging, isn't it? This is a subject when we're talking about forgiveness, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you just need to forgive that person. But actually when you begin to kind of unravel some of the deep emotions that go on, whether it's that emotion of feeling, I mean, betrayal is such a powerful emotion when we feel betrayed by somebody, when we feel shamed by somebody, when we feel like somebody's out to get us and or, or even just this injustice of how could they do that? Indignation. There is, it's emotionally charged, it's deeply emotional. And for many of us, we will have had baggage from our background, from our family, you know, from the families that we've grown up in, where the, there is unforgiveness there. There are things that have happened to us in our life that we can look, you know, I'm 43 now, I can look back to moments 30 years ago and be like, wow, have I really dealt with that moment? Have I, have I forgiven? Is my heart clean in this area? But being able to forgive is an outworking of the grace that we find in Jesus. And this is what the parable is saying. Forgive others because you have been forgiven. He first loved us. So another way to think about it is we're in relationships with multiple people, aren't we? All of the time. But our relationships are, if you like, a testing ground for the life that we have in Jesus. Our desire, as we've talked about through our framework, live like Jesus is to be more like him, to act as Jesus would if he were us. 
but it's how we relate to each other that we see how much the truth of Jesus has taken in our lives. It's the outworking. And the life that we have in Jesus and the life we live with those around us are inextricably linked. And forgiveness is right at the heart of this. You can't have any depth in relationship, any friendship with any meaning without the need to forgive. British poet and philosopher David White says this, all friendships of any length are based on a continued mutual forgiveness. It's so important, isn't it? Because the inability to forgive and move on has a deadening effect on us. Jay Pathak, who leads the American movement, says this, and I think this is so powerful. He says, living with unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting another person to die. That's what it feels like. We poison ourselves with unforgiveness. Or Lewis B. Smith says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. It's us that gets bound up in this moment through unforgiveness. And there's something about unforgiveness that holds us captive and can define us. We're coming back to this parable. You know, this servant, he's been given, forgiven so much, but yet in the next moment, he's going after this tiny debt in comparison to what he's been forgiven. He's choking him. He's like, you pay me back. And it's like, wow, that's how easily we can act. We, we've all seen it in people, haven't we? A bitterness, a hardness, a pettiness about things. It's like uh, an exposed nerve that when it gets hit, it's like a volcano erupts. And it affects and determines our past and our present relationships. Unforgiveness from the past affects how we relate to those around us who might be totally, and these things might be totally unrelated. The saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. And if you think about it, forgiveness is the only good of option available to us. Unforgiveness in our lives holds us back and it's vital that we learn the art of forgiveness. And this is a journey that we will all encounter at some point. We cannot go through this life without having broken relationships, moments where people wrong us. And as I have prepared this talk, I, I, I'm aware that for some of us, this is right now. This is a, this is a pertinent issue. Pertinent issue. And even as I'm talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, wow. And then we go through that process of, but do I really want to forgive? You know, it's like, do I really want to go on this journey? And even as I'm talking, you might have somebody in mind. You're like, actually, this relationship here is out of kilter. There's something going on in here. And for some, I'm aware that you will have had a deep hurt or trauma in your life. And, and I hope that I'm sensitive to this as I talk about forgiveness and our need to go on this journey today, because I know that this isn't easy stuff. And, you, you know, personally, just being as a pastor, I meet a lot of people who talk about their lives. And actually, this ability to forgive, this ability to be able to move through pain and things that have happened is so formative in our discipleship because otherwise we live out of this place of pain and then it affects so many of our other relationships. And so that ability to go on the journey of forgiveness, while deeply, deeply difficult, is so massively important. For some of us, even extending this to forgiving churches or church leaders, maybe even our church, maybe there's something that's happened in our community because you cannot be around community for a large period of time without things happening that actually we find really difficult. And that might be you today. And we, you know, I stand before you, we're not a perfect church. 
because we're not perfect people. We get things wrong. Sometimes we mess up, and I'm, I'm genuinely really sorry where we do. But that, but that is community. And if you stick around long enough with us and we try and do community deeply with one another and we try and form and shape one another, there will be moments where things are difficult. At some point, you will feel annoyed or let down. I myself have been hurt by people in our community. But then I have to take that and not sit in it and let it define me. My job, not my job, I don't mean in terms of my role, but my my response is to not let unforgiveness seep into the way that I lead, to seep into the way that I do relationships, to bring it before the Lord and be like, Lord, would you take this? Would you take these emotions? I give them back to you. The challenge here for some of us today is that the tragedy of not dealing with the pain that we feel is that we don't use the gifts that God has given us that we begin to close up some of the God dreams. Sometimes God's like, I've got this dream for you. No, I can't do it, it's too painful. I'm not gonna get hurt again. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be vulnerable again. I'm not gonna put, put myself in that position. It's too painful. And then the danger is that we never get used and that we kind of close ourselves off. It's like one of those crabs, isn't it? It's like, no, 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 I'm gonna go back under my shell. I'm not gonna let anything hurt me. But then the truth is we can't be used to the fullness of what God has for us. And ultimately, we desire, God desires for us to be free, to live our lives with him with a freedom in Christ. And it's not because we're great, but it, because it's, it's found in him. So forgiveness is so important for us as individuals, but I think it's also important in a much wider sense. Coming back to the parable, notice that it's the unforgiving servants, fellow servants, his colleagues who see what's going on, who see this hypocritical servant and then they go and tell the master. It describes them in verse 31 as deeply distressed. They see what's going on. They're deeply, deeply upset to see this man who's received such forgiveness from his master offer such a lack of forgiveness to his own servant. And I think there's some real truth in that for us. We tell people around us one of the things, the beauties of the gospel is that we've been forgiven, it's that Jesus takes all of our sin. You know, we, we tell people about that. That forgiveness is available for all in Jesus, how we've been forgiven all things. And then we're unable to offer that forgiveness ourselves and that we can come across as hypocritical and judgmental ourselves. I think people want to know if Christians are any different to anyone else out there. This is, this is the whole idea of this live like Jesus, that there should be something different about the Christian community because God is in them. Because God, the Holy Spirit lives in us what is the difference? Underlyingly is that there should be this process of transformation that keeps happening. Does the truth of what we believe actually make a difference in our lives? Unforgiveness can have a devastating effect on our lives from the small things in a marriage and relationship through to the feelings of betrayal, abandonment, and even if it goes all the way down the line to vengeance, it's like, I will show them, I will pay them back. And we live in a world crying out for forgiveness. We only have to look around, don't we? Not very far, look at the news. A desire for revenge. Of Christians, I deeply, deeply believe that we've been given more. It's a demonstration of the gospel in our lives, a chance to partner with God to see his kingdom come. Think back to the parable. Imagine if the unforgiving servant had gone out from his masters, found his own servant, and likewise had forgiven his debt too. 
He's like, I have been forgiven. I have seen the most outrageous grace in this area of my life. And yet now I'm going to take that grace because I, it's gone deep into my soul. And I'm going to show you the same grace. The story would be so different, wouldn't it? Gandhi said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. This is a chance to do things differently. So why do we find it so hard? We know forgiveness is linked to how well we understand the heart of God, to how much we realize the extent to which we've been forgiven. It's the, I, I said earlier, it's the starting point, which is how much do we realize that we have been forgiven? C.S. Lewis says this, forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have someone to forgive. It's like this concept, I, I love the idea of forgiveness. And then when the person's in front of us, right there, they've done something for the 33rd time, that they've hurt us, really, really hurt us, then it becomes a reality. I think there's a number of reasons often built around an, a misunderstanding of what forgiveness actually is. And it's my hope that as I look at some of the th these things, it will help us to to forgive more freely. So firstly, I think that we can feel that forgiving someone excuses their behavior. That is somehow lets them off the hook. That what happened to us doesn't matter. Let me be really, really clear. Forgiving somebody does not mean that we are a doormat. That, that is not what the gospel tells us. To let someone carry on mistreating or abuse us in some way, that is not forgiveness. To understand forgiveness, it's the cross, isn't it? Our sins and the sins that have been done to us do matter greatly to God. They matter because it costs God his son. It, it matters because they were nailed to the cross. Forgiveness doesn't deny that wrong has happened. It is a choice to forgive because wrong has happened. They are very different. God feels the wrong that happens to us the deep injustice that's going on around us. And if it matters to us, then think how much it matters to God. The same God who offers such grace and forgiveness to those of us that would receive it will one day judge us all and put right the great wrongs that have been done to us and the great evil that we see in the world all around us. Forgiveness doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is a chance to join with God to start putting some of these things right until one day when he comes again and he makes all things right. So secondly, forgiving does not mean that trust is rebuilt immediately or even ever. The old phrase forgive and forget is perhaps really quite unhelpful. We try to forgive, but it's hard to forget. And it seems totally unrealistic that we ever would. I love this quote by Lewis Smeads, which says this, forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. I love that bit, it creates a new way to remember. Some of us do the opposite of this. Another thing, Forgiving is not the same as just burying our pain. It's not that we can't forget about what happened. It's that we don't even think about it at all. We'd rather not even go there. If I'm honest, this would be probably how I would deal with it. I'm most likely to go, oh, do you know what? Let's just put it in a box and never think about what's happened. That doesn't 
And it's only actually when we begin, we begin to respond to things in a strange way that we realize, oh my goodness, I've got this whole volcano of unrepressed emotion because I've just chosen to go, I'm not gonna think about it. That is not the same as forgiving, is to bury something. Jem sometimes brings me up on this. You know, recently, last year, I went on a bit of journey with this, that forcing myself, you know, there are some ways that I was exhibiting behavior in it, and Jem's like, oh, do you know what? I think there's something deeper in here. It's only when I, I began, I was like, oh, really? I'm not sure there is, and then begin to unpack it. Ended up going into stuff that happened 30 years ago in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like when I was much, much younger, it's like, oh, wow, I have buried all of this. But then actually it plays out in my life now. And so I then had to go on a journey of going into reflection to be like, actually, I am willing to go back to those places to see what God was doing and what he, he then wanted to free me from, from stuff that happened years and years and years and years ago. So burying something doesn't mean that we've forgiven somebody. Fourthly, that we have to wait until the other person is sorry before we can forgive them. In an ideal world, that would always be the case. Do you know what I mean? The person, you, you know, we're like, oh, we confront them, we're like, I've got this thing going on, and they turn around and they're like, oh, do you know what, I'm so sorry. The truth is, that doesn't happen. But, Actually, there will be times in our life when we have to give, forgive somebody who isn't repentant for what they've done. They do not see that they have caused us pain or they, or they might be totally unaware of it. Forgiveness does not always involve the other person being sorry. We can't await, we can't afford for that to be the case. Didn't, Jesus didn't wait for us to be sorry before he died for our sins. We come to God with our sins to find he's already done what needed to be done. And lastly, I think so many of us struggle to forgive because we simply have no idea how to do it. We say we forgive someone, we try to move on, but we, but we almost keep coming back to it in a cycle. Before telling the parable of the unforgiving servant, Je Jesus is asked by Peter how many times he should forgive someone. Seven times, Peter asks. Jesus says, no, 77 times. Not literally, but the idea being that it's limitless, that we go ongoingly. And sometimes the amount we have to forgive someone is limitless. We come back to it time and time again, and we forgive them all over again. And it's not a one-off thing. So how do you start the process of forgiveness? I just wanted to end with a few practical pointers. This is not, you know, I realize I've got about five minutes left before the talk ends. And this is a five-part sermon series, you know, I could take a week on each one of these. So this isn't kind of a holistic thing where I'm going to try and cram everything in, but I don't want to just leave us like, God says forgive. Okay, sorted. No, but actually to try just a few helpful practical pointers from my point of view. First one is this. We have to identify that we are holding unforgiveness towards somebody. Now, for some of you, that's really obvious. You're like, as, a, as soon as I start talking, you're like, Yes, this situation. For others of you like, ah. So we identify that there is an issue going on and it's like, I have unforgiveness in my heart. I don't want to stay in that place. That's step one. Step two is to realize I can't, even, I can't stay here. I can't stay where I am. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to stay with this situation happening. 
Step three, realize that you can't do it alone. This isn't something that we just do in our own strength, which is, I'm gonna forgive that person, right, I forgive you. This is something that happens in the heart of God, that actually this is an area where we have to both have God's help and sometimes the help of community as well. So God's help is that we actually begin to unpack. Okay, I'll take myself as an example. I've identified that I've got some unforgiveness and then I go, do you know what? This is causing, I, I don't wanna live with this anymore. So then I move into the next bit, which is actually, I'm gonna start processing this with Jesus. So something comes up for me personally, it would be a case of, okay, this isn't something that I can do in five minutes. This is a journal. This is, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me about? This could take a couple of hours of just sitting down with the Lord being like, oh, you're bringing something up. I'm reacting like this. What is going on? How can I get to that place? And then bringing Jesus into that whole process. Like, Jesus, I'm feeling pain in here. What am I going to do with this? Lord, help me see with your eyes. Because what happens as soon as we begin to invite things in is we begin to look differently at the situation. It's like, whoa, my perspective has changed. I was feeling all of this stuff and then God's like, oh, I want you to look at it more like this. Wow, I've brought God in. And then for me, it's about reaching the point where I'm like asking God, God, help me to forgive. Like, Lord, I wanna be able to forgive. Help me go on this process. And then it's beginning to pray that through. Sometimes, I will bring somebody else in on that process, a good friend, a trusted friend. It's like, do you know what? Can I just process some of this stuff with you? I'm feeling this. Do you help? So for me, don't do it alone. Do it with God and then sometimes with community. And then realize that it's not just a one-stop process of, do you know what? I prayed about this. I'm over it. It's like, no, often it's a process of forgiveness. This takes time. The deeper the wound, the deeper the pain, the more that we have to come back to it and be like, Lord, release me from this and to keep going on that journey. And finally, you need the help of others to do it. I want to tell you about something else, which is a ministry in our church called Sozo, which is an opportunity where for an evening we pray with um, a team of people who've, who've been trained. Do you know what I mean? And actually, we take time to unpack some of the deeper stuff in our life and begin to break some of the lies that have happened. And often one of the deepest things of Sozo ministry is beginning to look at this area of forgiveness and beginning to forgive and letting the Lord help us in that journey. And so just to say Sozo can be really helpful, but Sozo isn't the only thing. It's like, it's one ministry, but that sometimes we do need more help in this process as well. And so, you know, that's part of what the church is here for to, to help with that journey. So um, feel free to talk to your site pastors or ministry leads. Anyway, thank you for your time. I'm just gonna pray in finishing. Lord, I wanna start just by thanking you that you forgive us it all. You know, that there's so much rubbish that you've forgiven us for. So Lord, we just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And Lord, we wanna keep being changed and we don't wanna be held back by chains over us. And so Lord, I wanna pray for freedom in the name of Jesus into people's lives. Break the chains. And Lord, help us to walk in the forgiveness that you so beautifully show us in Jesus' name. Amen.